KSGF.com. Today's Wednesday. We got ourselves a lunch bunch of retro. And there's a new menu. New fall menu. Uh, so if you are, or you may, whether you've gone to Retro Metro, Metro Retro or not, I can't even get the words out. Retro Metro. Uh, they do have a new fall menu. They do, debuted this week. It looks incredible. You can see it on uh, social media. I'm very excited about it. I am too. Got our lunch bunch today, and uh, that is something that we do every Wednesday. You can get signed up, ksgf.com. And if you win, then you and a uh, bunch of folks that you're choosing, five up to. You don't have to have five. It could just be you if you want. Nice, intimate lunch with Sarah and me, or you can bring friends or family, whomever, strangers if you'd like to, and have that incredible lunch at one of the best places for lunch in the area, and that is Retro Metro. Uh, Let's see, there's a lot going on today. Merrick Garland is set to testify today. Uh, I heard the, the story, as many of you probably did, top of the hour, Fox News, about Merrick Garland may not really enjoy today. Does anybody really think he cares, other than probably finding this annoying, that he's got to go do this? The, the guy is one of the most smug people. Uh, he, he puts that nose, literally at times, he puts that nose up in the air. I, I think that there is part of these, some of these people, they're so corrupt. They, they, they actually enjoy knowing that people know they're corrupt and they're getting away with it. They, they get off on that. It's part of their power. It's, you, you see this with psychopaths portrayed in movies where they, they enjoy the fact that they're doing what they're doing. They enjoy the fact that they're doing something that they know is wrong, but they can. It's a power thing. And that is what we see on display from so many people within the Democrat Party and certainly with people in the Department of Justice like Merrick Garland. And I think he's going to thoroughly enjoy this presentation today. We'll see. I, I, I understand that sometimes these things take time, but like many of you, I suspect, you don't expect much to come out of it in terms of accountability. Maybe there'll be some revelations and there'll be some news stories about it. There'll be some press releases. Uh, Jim Jordan and others will hit some of the national shows to talk about the revelations. And then this is what Americans have come to expect. And it's frustrating. The budget deal. I'm going to throw out a thought. You hear these stories. Oh, got two weeks, and you got Chuck Schumer out there talking about MAG extremist, and we got this battle within the Republican Party over continuing resolution and over spending, and this is what uh, – t- tell me if this describes you. Don't You don't actually have to tell me. 
I think that that most of you, this is your attitude about you hear the stories. You don't know much in terms of details, do you? The reason being is you probably haven't even thought about it enough to determine that there's any point in learning the details of it because this is how it's going to play out. There will be funding that is at some point approved and we're going to continue to add to the deficit. We're going to continue to go into further debt. There are not, there's not going to be any meaningful cuts in spending that start to roll things back. And I'm not talking about cuts at the uh, rate of growth. But anything to where we will be told, hey, this new budgeting, guess what? If we stay on track with this and if revenue continues to come in at the rate that it does, then in 10 years, things are going to be balanced out. Do, do any of you think that anything along those lines are gonna, you know, that that that, that we're gonna be told anything different than what we have become accustomed to? I, I don't. I find myself unengaged. I find myself uninterested in this battle because I don't believe it's really going to make any difference in terms in regarding fixing the actual problem that we have when it comes to spending. Now, that isn't to say that there aren't Republicans, and there clearly are Republicans that are. I, I feel for them. They're there. They're trying. They not only ran on actually doing something meaningful when it comes to spending, but they actually believe it in their heart of hearts, just like you do. There are people there in Washington, D.C., there are men and women who uh, who run as they run as Republicans, obviously, <clears throat> who have the same level and have had the same level of of frustration and anger that you have had when it comes to the out of control spending. Now imagine you know the frustration they have. They're there every day, and they 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 are up against a, a brick wall in some capacity, and I can only imagine that level of frustration. It's unfortunate that this this is where it, for me as an, an American that once upon a time and maybe it was foolishness naivety saw that when it came to fiscal responsibility saw that when it came to getting spending under control there was hope and that hope was getting Republicans elected. That, that, so there was, there was hope there. That, that, that was an option. And if you didn't, you know, an election comes around, it didn't happen, okay, we're going to, you know, we got to get in there, we got to fight, we got to come in. So there was always at least the possibility and, and the hope that was there. And I, I think with the 104th Congress, Newt Gingrich, Contract with America, and we, we, we saw the closest thing to that, at least in my adult lifetime, of, of a Republican Party that collectively said, all right, here's exactly what we're going to do. And they were willing. They had, they shut, the government shut down over the thing. And Clinton gave on a lot, and there was the 10-year balanced budget, which, of course, turned out not to actually balance the budget. But it, 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 there was 
the hope. And I, I really almost loathe using that term because I believe that it is oftentimes, you know, used almost uh, just, I, I don't know. It, it has, uh, it lacks meaning, I think, uh, oftentimes, the way that it's used. And I think it's overused. You know, oh, hope, as long as we have hope. Well, no, you need something else. You need action. You need the the possibility of actual meaningful results. And I and I I'm just telling you my perspective on this. And some will say, "Oh, you are foolish forever believing." Okay, fine. But it, it just seemed as if at, at, there was a period of time over the last several decades, and it probably ended with that that Gingrich era in the '90s, uh, in which Republicans that uh, you you just felt if you were on the side of Republicans and if they got their way, things were actually going to improve financially and fiscally. So the frustration that so many of us have is who do we support now? Now, again, we can support, we may have a local elected official that is on the same page with us and they go up there and fight, but in terms of political party, I guess this is the way uh, that you could frame it. Which of the two parties being in power is going to give that to us. And right now, it's like there really isn't one. I mean, it's when Democrats get in power, it's not, they don't sit around with these issues and these problems and, you know, and we're, well, but if we, the Republicans won't pass this or, well, we only, it's just the roadblocks. So many of the roadblocks to fixing the problems are roadblocks thrown up by the Republican Party itself. Telling us, well, you got to understand, we don't control the Senate. So even if we pass something that's fiscally responsible, we don't control the Senate, so there's nothing we can do. And did you ever notice they don't campaign on that stuff, by the way? You don't hear Republicans... Uh, out there running for Congress, talking about getting control of Congress and being like, but just so you know, Democrats are, you know, Biden's still going to be in the White House. So uh, we're not going to really be able to do anything because anything that we pass that's meaningful, he's just going to veto anyway. So we're essentially going to take signals from what Democrats, you notice they don't run on that? There's a little bit of a bait and switch that occurs. And I'm talking the party as a whole, because again, and I, we cannot fail to recognize that there is a portion of many of them are in the uh, Freedom Caucus, and you've got these, you know, con- these fiscally conservative Republicans that are fighting this battle and that are feeling and thinking the exact same thing that I'm talking about right now. Uh, and then, you know, the Republican Party, they wonder why it is when the Biden administration has been such an abysmal failure and we've all suffered to a great degree, that there isn't more enthusiasm. And it's because there's no rally cry, really. It's We, as Republican voters, have just become so accustomed to you know, tell, getting us to the finish line and then being like, now, okay, everyone, just understand. We're not really going to be able to do this because, and then we're then it's explained to us why all of the promises that were made can't actually be achieved. After a while, you lose a little bit of enthusiasm. Latest news update.
Good morning, I'm Color 10's Jesse Inman. A new law signed by Missouri Governor Mike Parson expands Medicaid coverage for new moms from 60 days after giving birth to one year. In Missouri, it's estimated this new law will cover thousands of women. A recent report from the state's Pregnancy-Associated Mortality Review Board says the number one cause of pregnancy-related deaths are mental health conditions, including substance use disorders. A judge will make a decision today regarding the fate of a Glendale High School football player. Kylan Mabins has not played this year because of the Missouri High School Activities Association declaring him ineligible after transferring from Kickapoo to Glendale. Mabins alleges racial discrimination, but Misha sidelined him, saying his transfer was for football reasons. For Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. The first alert forecast, Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt showers through the day high of nearly 72. Scattered showers before midnight tonight, partly cloudy, low around 61. A 50% chance of showers uh, tomorrow evening. A daytime high near 81. Friday, 70% chance of showers through the day, otherwise partly sunny with a high near 78. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. I want to share with you a piece that Mark Hemingway has put together. Uh, This is posted in the Federalist. It is regarding a local race in Connecticut, but it is, it's got larger implications. It has to do with voter fraud. Now, as you know, of course, anytime there is the appearance of potential voter fraud, at the hands of Democrats, by Republicans, that is a dangerous thing to talk about. That's a QAnon conspiracy. That is a threat to democracy, and we hear things like no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. I've noted for years that there are not only instances in which elections are overturned because of voter fraud. There are people who have gone to prison relatively, on a local level, high-ranking individuals. And they are Democrats, generally, for the most part. And you say, why don't I hear about these things? Well, it's because they do it to other Democrats. And also, it does not get national coverage because, as we all know, particularly since this attempt by Democrats to imprison political opposition, part of their narrative is that Trump, that there's, you know, voter fraud does not occur, it is a myth, and that saying, you know, Trump suggesting that there is evidence of voter fraud is the danger to this country because that's what caused the near toppling of our country. All of those January 6th insurrectionists believed his lies that even he knew were lies because people told him, Trump, don't you know, there's no voter fraud that occurs in this country. According to the Brookings Institute, the piece goes, quote, there's no evidence that mail ballots increase electoral fraud. USA Today purports to fact check the False claim that mail-in voting is connected to bad actors' fraudulent ballots. The Brennan Center for Justice informs us extensive research reveals that voter fraud is very rare. 
This is another favorite. And we hear this from establishment Republicans. Roy Blunt has said it. Well, even if there is, it really doesn't matter because it wouldn't change the outcome of the election. Oh. While it's important not to make claims about the existence of voter fraud you can't prove, what's also true is that nearly all of the analysis dismissing concerns about voter fraud and mail-in ballots rest on logical fallacy. The absence of evidence is evidence of absence. In other words, the assumption is that voter fraud is not happening because there are very few criminal convictions related to voter fraud. Republicans, however, have long contended that those governing the areas where voter fraud is most likely to occur, Democrat-run cities with a high density of voters, have no incentive to root out and prosecute voter fraud because they benefit from it politically. With that in mind, what just happened in the Democratic primary in Bridgeport, Connecticut, is pretty incredible. And so far, a cursory search shows that not a single story from the national news outlets are about it. Bridgeport Mayor Joe Gannon just won the Democratic primary, effectively securing his seventh term as mayor of the largest city in Connecticut. However, his Democratic opponent, John Gomes, a city employee fired by Gannon earlier this year, is not conceding the race. He claims Gannon stole the election by tampering with mail-in ballots. And he's released video that he claims proves that's what happened. After Election Day, Gomes was leading Ganim among votes that were cast in person. Ganim insisted. By the way, this is a theme. You'll notice this pattern here is the same pattern that we saw nationally with the last election, where Trump was leading by votes on the day of, and then they start counting all of the mail-in ballots, the ballots that were put in the drop boxes, and then we wake up overnight, and lo and behold, Biden pulled ahead, right? So the after Election Day, Gomes was leading Ganim among votes that were cast in person. Ganim insisted that it was important, though, to wait for the absentee and ballot in uh, mail-in ballots to be counted. And Ganim won the absentee votes 1,545 to 779, more than double, which secured the victory in the primary by 251 votes. After the initial in-person votes were counted, Ganim predicted the absentee votes would break his way. According to the Connecticut Mirror, which has been all over the story, quote, Gomes also made note of the outstanding absentee ballots early Tuesday evening, but in front of reporters, he questioned whether voters could trust the outcome of those ballots. It turns out Gomes had good reason to question the validity of the ballots and that this wasn't some outrageous attempt to delegitimize the election. Ganim also won the 2019 primary election with a come-from-behind victory that resulted from counting absentee ballots. Media accounts surrounding that election reported the absentee ballots in that election were, quote, rife with irregularities. On August 30th, almost four full years later, Connecticut State Election Enforcement Commission recommended criminal charges for three people connected to Ganim's campaign related to their suspected mishandling of absentee ballots in the 2019 election. 
Now John Gomes has released video that he says shows city employee Wanda Geter Pataki, who is affiliated with the Ganem campaign, stuffing ballots into drop boxes. Quote, state statute says absentee ballots can be returned only by the ballot applicant, their family members, police officers, local election officials, or someone who's directly caring for someone who receives an absentee ballot because they are ill or physically disabled, according to the mirror. Though the woman in the video looks like Geeter Pataki, her identity has not been independently confirmed. Neither Geeter Pataki nor the Ganem campaign are commenting on the allegations. However, the video is compelling enough that there is an official police investigation. Adding to the suspicion is the fact that, yes, Geeter Pataki is one of the three people that the State Election Enforcement Commission just recommended charges against for her handling of the ballots back in 2019. Now, we've got to take a break here. We've got traffic standing by, and then I want to pick up and continue on with this piece. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. I want a great homeloan.com. If you have any home loan questions, questions about interest rates, hey, just came into some money. Should I pay off my house? You may think, well, why would I ask somebody who deals with home loans that question? There's so much valued information I know that I've used that have, has just helped me tremendously beyond my home loan when it comes to finances, when it comes to uh, how it is to, to manipulate your credit score and so forth from the character team, uh, it is so much more than your traditional loan service, if you will. So maybe those are some of the questions that you've been wondering. And it seems in your mind, right, yeah, pay that off. All right, that's a great accomplishment. Is it? Is that the best thing to do? There may be reasons to not, and that's the sort of information that they can provide you so that you can make the most informed decision for yourself. So use them as a resource. I want a great homeloan.com because you do. The first alert forecast, sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Showers through the day, high near 73. Scattered showers before midnight tonight, down to 61, with a 50% chance of showers tomorrow late afternoon into evening, high near 81, and Friday a 70% chance of showers through the day, with a high near 78. Now, regarding the, the voter fraud uh, situation, and there's a piece in The Federalist noting a local scandal that's going on in which you have a Democrat primary and you have what the, the, the scenario that we saw play out with the last presidential election. And in this case, the incumbent Democrat that um, it's a mayoral race in the biggest city in Connecticut, and he, he won... Uh, and then his opponent's like, hey, everyone wait till the mail-in ballots are counted. And lo and behold, like over two to one, the mail-in ballots turn the race around. And they wake up the next day and they're like, wait a minute, what happened here? The, uh, the mayor, John Gomes, has released a video that shows an individual that's believed to be a city employee allied with his opponent stuffing uh, a ballot box. And it looks, those of you that somebody, in fact, they uh, had texted in, if I've seen 2,000 mules, and not only, 
yes, have I seen it? We promoted it. We had Dinesh D'Souza on talking about the book, his book, 2000 Mules, and his documentary. And the footage, if you saw 2000 Mules, looks just like this footage. It is a person, what appears to be in the middle of the night when no one is around, showing up at a Dropbox location, cramming handfuls of ballots into the Dropbox. And like so many of the other states, this is a state where you're not allowed to do that. The state statute in Connecticut says absentee ballots can be returned only by the ballot applicant, their family members, a police officer, local election official, or someone who's directly caring for someone who received an absentee ballot because they became ill or physically disabled. What you're not allowed to do is show up with handfuls and handfuls and handfuls of ballots and cram them into a ballot box. Though the woman in the video looks like Geeter Pataki, who is an ally of the Democrat who turned things around overnight with absentee ballots. Her identity has not been independently confirmed. Neither Geeter Pataki nor the Ganem campaign are commenting on the allegations. However, the video is compelling enough that there is an official police investigation. Adding to that suspicion is the fact that that same woman is one of the three people the State Election Enforcement Commission recommended charges against for her handling of ballots back in 2019. That, in turn, prompt a pretty basic question. The State Elections Enforcement Commission opened their investigation into Ganem's campaign in September of 2019, almost as soon as the last primary election was over. So why did it take four years to do anything about this? It's true, proper investigations take time, and according to CT Insider, SEEC investigators were hampered by the COVID pandemic. However, if you're not inclined to give Connecticut officials the benefit of the doubt, the narrative here looks awfully suspicious. You see, National Democrats spent all of 2020 fanning out across the country overhauling voting laws, often through corrupt and questionable processes, using COVID as an excuse to expand the use of absentee votes and ballot harvesting. That debate continued to rage after Trump's narrow loss to Biden in the presidential election, which hung on just 44,000 votes across three key states, and which resulted in Trump and his allies alleging the election was stolen. Even if, as, many, as great many of the voter fraud allegations being made by Trump and his allies were dubious, confirmation that elections in the largest city in Connecticut were being stolen through the use of mail-in ballots would blow a huge hole in the frankly absurd partisan narrative that there, quote, is no evidence that mail-in ballots increase election fraud. So in other words, the point that's being made here is whether or not this is why the investigation has been hampered for four years to keep it out of the spotlight for these purposes. The fact of the matter is, this shows how ludicrous and dishonest the argument is. That there's no evidence that mail-in ballots, that absentee ballots, that drop boxes have any sort of connection to enhancing voter fraud. Because Democrats themselves are being investigated for this. Democrats themselves have found their elections upended and in some instances overturned because of it. Now, it's always because, you know, it's it's a Democrat who is the, quote, victim, and as is often the case in this case as well, it's a Democrat who is also the person that is alleged to be committing the fraud because it's a primary. 
If you approach what happened here, that being in Connecticut, with a small degree of skepticism, it looks like the State Election Enforcement Commission sat on its hands because it would rather let the mayor of Bridgeport possibly steal an election than have to affirm that Republicans have a point about the connection between absentee ballots and fraud. And then when they realized that this latest primary in Bridgeport was also going to be close, it would appear they rushed out a report recommending criminal indictments just over two weeks before the primary election, almost full four years later, as a last-ditch attempt to ward off Gannon's campaign from tampering with ballots for potentially a second time. The Bridgeport allegations of voter fraud also provide a disturbing window into how this kind of fraud could occur. Now, this is also important. Because this is a very important detail that I'm going to put in here to give you context. Democrats, those people who benefit from voter fraud, want you to think that allegations of voter fraud are allegations of people voting twice. Or that when Republicans or people that are concerned about voter integrity are talking about voter fraud, they're talking about somebody who is an illegal that is showing up and voting or somebody who is, uh, you know, voting in someone else's name, showing up and saying, hey, I'm Jim Faluni, even when they're not, and then using their, that's not where it occurs. That's why they want you to believe that, because they know that there's very, very, very few cases of that. So that allows them to say there's very, very few cases of it. So as this piece points out, the Bridgeport allegations of voter fraud provide the disturbing window into how this kind of fraud occurs. In the USA Today fact check cited above, they quote an expert assuring us that states and localities have had mitigations in place to catch any potential cases of fraud. Those mitigations have been in place for decades and they work. But what if the people responsible for enforcing those mitigations are in on the fraud? Now, this is a key point, and this is why they always occur in Democrat strongholds. This is why you see when you watch the 2,000 mules, and, and it's so frustrating because you see it. You see the surveillance video of the, fraud, the voter fraud occurring. In this particular case in Bridgeport, Connecticut, in the Democrat mayoral primary, you see the voter fraud occurring. But when the people who are in charge of saying, oh, hey, you can't do that, are benefiting from the voter fraud, they tend to not say, oh, hey, you can't do that. In the video, it's being alleged in between her multiple trips to the ballot box, Geter Pateki is going into a municipal building and prepping more ballots to stuff at her desk as a city employee. Then they link to a picture of Getty Pataki hugging the city clerk, and while there's no evidence the city clerk is in on any wrongdoing, Geter Pataki is allegedly accused of. Clearly, she has inside access to resources that would make fraud easier. It's also worth noting the video was leaked to the Gomes campaign, and without that, it's hard to say whether this apparent wrongdoing would ever have been fettered out. Now, imagine this isn't a Democratic primary in Bridgeport. Let's say it's a presidential election in, oh, Philadelphia. In that case, do the city employees responsible for reviewing security footage of ballot drop boxes care if they see another city employee stuffing ballot boxes, or do they just ignore it? 
because city employees often owe their jobs to the patronage of Democratic officials and assume whatever is going on will benefit them personally. Fortunately for Connecticut officials, so far no national media outlets have even bothered to pick up the Bridgeport drama, not that this is in any way surprising. The idea that absentee ballots were more prone to fraud was common sense for decades. In 2012, the New York Times ran an article titled Error and Fraud at Issue as Absentee Voting Rises. Now it's virtually impossible to find any objective assessment of the risks of ballot harvesting in the media or any coverage of the resulting voting problems. But the silence from national media here is telling. It's hard to imagine the parties being reversed in this story without a torrent of outcry and the press combing over every detail of this story from the uh, jump four years ago. In 2020, a city council election in Patterson, New Jersey, a city with roughly the same population as Bridgeport, was completely invalidated after, or, uh, after one in five mail-in ballots was rejected amid accusations of fraud. Unsurprisingly, the national media paid almost no attention to that story either. Again, nothing here is proven yet. Ganim and his campaign may yet be cleared of the mess. However, it's probably also not too cynical to expect overwhelming pressure to unjustly sweep all of this under the rug if national scrutiny blows a hole in the Democratic Party's absurd insistence that absentee ballots don't contribute to voter fraud. And if the Bridgeport scandal does break through to the national media, expect the coverage to focus on Republicans pouncing rather than the details of the actual corruption, who's behind it, and attempts to determine how widespread it is. The mindless insistence that there is no evidence that mail-in ballots increase electoral fraud is assumed to help the Democrat Party win elections. And so long as that's the case, the national press won't let any facts about stolen elections get in the way. This is an example of why I, for years, have argued against early voting. And as was pointed out in that piece, prior to the realization that Democrats could so easily steal elections and COVID opening that door and allowing frightened Republicans to help them usher in this new era of stuffing drop boxes with, uh, with uh, mail-in, absentee, and early voting ballots. Everyone was on the same page. There was no disagreement about this. After, I believe it was 2012, there was a piece done by former Secretary of State James Baker from the Bush administration and former President Jimmy Carter. They worked together on this piece, and the thing that they found that was the most dangerous thing to our, quote, democracy and to free and fair elections was the mail-in voting, the absentee voting, all of the, any sort of voting that did not involve a person showing up, showing an ID, being handed a ballot, filling out the ballot, and then giving it back, going into a secure location to be counted. Outside of that, we were talking about real problems. Everyone on the same page. And then came COVID, and then came the realization that we could, they could, forever 
with the help of frightened Republicans, turn our elections away from selling ideas and results, pitching ideas and results, to collecting as many ballots as possible. And I'm telling that one of the single most damaging things that can be done, one of the single most damaging things that can be done to election integrity is early voting. Oh, but what if I'm going to be out of town or out of the country? That's what absentee voting is. Early voting simply says you don't have to have a reason. Just, you know, absentee has been there and it's worked perfectly fine. I mean, why do we think that left-wing activists are the ones who have been pushing for early voting all these years? It is remarkable to me the naivety of Republicans that allow themselves to be convinced, well, no, they just have election integrity in mind, and they just really, their their number one goal is uh, to get people to participate in the process. That's all that they want. I trust these people because I know these people. I meet with them, and they don't have any ill intent. Wake up! As frustrating as it is for so many Americans to watch the clear corruption and to watch a documentary like 2,000 Mules and then to recognize that this not, that even Democrats acknowledge through some of their own lawsuits that these things happen. We can't forget the fact that that the uh, that so many in the Republican Party helped make it happen. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Experts, I've been reading reviews that so many people have posted regarding their garage experts' experience, and and some do reference customized storage, which is so important. But generally, it's the flooring, and like like a lot of things, uh, there are companies that recognize people like to DIY stuff, and with the internet, I can get online, YouTube, learn how to do this. And so they will take what once upon a time was uh, only done by professionals and craft it in a way that makes it doable at home. The problem is, while sometimes that works and sometimes these things are doable at home by an untrained professional, there are some things that you just can't replicate with the experience and the product available to the professionals versus the big box store on the shelf stuff and the epoxy flooring stuff. Just the the quality of it, the prepping of the floor for it, and the even appearance of it when it comes to the amount of flakes per square inch and so forth, that is not a DIY. That you think, oh, I'm going to save myself. My, I'm going to save myself a thousand dollars doing it on my own. You're going to waste yourself more than that. Because if it's not done right, then all of that money that you spent and the time you spent doing it yourself for just a little bit extra, you could have had it done right by professionals. That's why I recommend Garage Experts under Nick's endorsements. KSGF.com. There's a st- uh, there is a, uh, a race that I reference numer- on numerous occasions when we're talking about this whole 
you know, elections, there's no election fraud, and absentee voting and mail-in voting and, and, and you know, uh, ballot harvesting, none of that leads to voter fraud because we have seen it right here in Missouri. And as usual, it is only acknowledged by Democrats if they are the losing on the losing end of it. And appropriately enough, 99% of the time they're on the losing end of it is because it's a primary. It's another Democrat doing it to them. This is from 2016. Franks wins redo primary in 78th House District. The second time is the charm for Bruce Franks. Franks, an activist and small business owner, defeated Penny Hubbard Friday night in a court-ordered redo Democratic primary in the 78th House District. This is Missouri. It's the St. Louis area. Franks came within 90 votes of Hubbard in August. He sued over the results, saying that the St. Louis Board of Election Commissioners had improperly counted a couple hundred absentee ballots, which more than eliminated Hubbard's margin of victory. The circuit and appeals court agreed. And by the way, that is much of the same premise of allegations from the Trump campaign in a number of states where you had Democrats in charge that were allowing ballots that should not have been counted to be counted. Now, in this case, instead of Franks being accused of undermining our democracy, the courts recognized, yeah, you're right. They ordered a redo, and guess what? He won. And this was a situation in which he was winning and won when the votes were counted until the absentee ballots started counting. And the, the, the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, they did an investigation because Franks pitched a huge fit about it, and he got people rallying, he got people protesting to where it became completely unavoidable. And the St. Louis Post-Dispatch went around talking to people whose absentee ballots came in, and some of them didn't even realize that's what was going on. They had no idea. They said they were pressured to essentially, you know, vote a certain way and turn their ballot in. And what happened, which was illegal, is you had people for the Penny Hubbard campaign, her husband being one of them, showing up with arms full of ballots to stuff the ballot box. There's another story later in the year. The husband of Missouri State Representative, who was defeated in a redo election, also has seen the outcome of his race overturned in an electoral do-over that was ordered because of improperly cast absentee ballots there as well. Rashid Aldridge defeated Rodney Hubbard Sr. on Tuesday in the race for 5th Ward Democratic Committeemen, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported. Committeemen typically direct party activities but hold no public authority. Absentee ballots also led to an election redo in a race involving Hubbard's wife, which is the one we referenced previously. Voter fraud does occur. Elections have been not only overturned but had complete redos because of voter fraud. It doesn't get national coverage because, again, it completely defies the absurd claim that Democrats make on a national level that there is no voter fraud. And even if there is, it's not enough to make a difference. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Now, this headline is all part of this effort to make it easier. For the sort of voter fraud we've been talking about, Pennsylvania Democrat governor announces switch to automatic voter registration to where when you go and you get your driver's license, you are automatically also registered to vote. Now, Missouri, you can do it at the same time. This is going to automatically do it. This is one of the keys. See, the the key, the, the foundation is to get 
as many people registered to vote as possible. That's how you're able to get ballots requested in their names. I want to explain that component of it coming up. Plus, yesterday I've got audio a hearing which the then Capitol Hill police chief has called out Nancy Pelosi for lying about his communication with her on January 6th. 